0: Awesome, awesome, awesome is God good? <clears throat> God is good, glory to Jesus <clears throat> so today we're ending our series this month entitled What love does what does love do how does How is love in operation in all that we do? Um, in our Genesis class that we had this morning we in in that Genesis class, we go over seven topics that Gates of the City is about, and um, it's the class that two classes that we teach on on understanding things from uh, from a, an infant stage in in the in the body of Christ when you're first born again, but understanding things about Gates of the City and the purpose behind it, and and why you would join and be connected to this place and. And I was sharing this morning that from these seven topics that we talk about in these two classes, we teach and preach all seven of those subjects throughout the year. Because why would you stand for something and then not talk about it? And so one of the things that, uh, one of the seven topics is the Word of God and understanding and appreciating the Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. And we, we need the investment of of the Word of God on the inside of us. And the Word the Word of God was made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word became flesh. So the Word became the Son of God. The Son of God became, by name, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth made a choice to die for all of mankind He went to hell. He rose on the third day. He came back to this earth and then ascended upon high and sat down at the right hand of the Father and declared, this whole thing is finished. It's a done deal. It's finished. And what was finished now was, in the earth, we could experience the Garden of Eden once again. We could experience what God's plans were for man in the Garden of Eden. Um, For over 2,000 years since the ascension upon high of the Lord Jesus and since all that was accomplished there's been a lot of bunny trails in the earth because if it was if, if God was just dealing with Jesus himself Jesus the man who did no wrong and no sin and he did everything correct if God would have just been dealing with him the whole world would have been like the Garden of Eden 2000 years later but because he's dealing with us uh There's been some struggles. Amen? But the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. So that means that somebody says, well, what is love? Well, the Bible says love is God. Because if God is love, then love is God. Yeah, but but what does that mean? Well, that's what you need to find out for the rest of your life. And what we've been talking about this month is, what, what does love do in every situation? And the situations that we've talked about this month, because when you look at the, at the definitions and the characteristic, the nature of God, those char, those, the, the, the nature of God is defined in 1 Corinthians 13, love is, it's patient, it's kind. It, It doesn't think about itself. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It doesn't, all the things that God does, He bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, ever. Now, when you and I fail, it's because we're not in love. I'm going to say it again. Love never fails, and when you fail, it's because you're not in love. Say it one more time. Love never fails. When you fail, because you were created in the image of God, if you're born of the Spirit of God, then the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead le- dwells on the inside of you. When you fail, it's because you're not in love because love never fails. It's just, you know, the absolutes of the Word challenge us. You, you, can, you can sit there and look. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying a, a person could sit there And look at me and say, yeah, but okay, that's in some things. Yeah, but God's not in some things. He's in all things. And love isn't sometimes. Love is all the time. And no matter what's happened to you or in your life, love never fails. (laughs) I do not know where I... Well, I'll tell you where I... if, If I had not been arrested by the love of God, I would be... Busy failing in everything that I'm doing. Busy failing in everything that I'm doing. That's what I would be busy doing. So, with all that man has, for the lack of a better word, has screwed up through the years, over the last 2,000 years, um, God and His grace are not only forgiving but changing. Changing. We are living in the greatest time in the history of the world because of the revelation of God that is out there. This church body, we center everything around the Word of God that is preached. Because when the Word of God is preached, it gives you the ability to take that Word and do something with it and get revelation because Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. What does that mean? You won't be defeated. If the gates of hell are not prevailing against you, you're winning. And that comes through the revelation of the Word of God. If, the word, if you're not in a setting where you believe in what is preached, you have to believe in those that preach to you, but then you have to believe the Word that is preached is real and take the Word and make sure that it's real for you. And when you do that, it changes everything in your life. That's what we believe. People need to know what love does in every situation in life. I've, in the last few years of my life, I've put myself in a lot of positions where I have to step back, I have to take a moment. And, I, and I, I'm saying, I've put myself in those positions because I've put myself in people's lives to make a difference in. If you just, if you just live your life in this little circle of friends and people, if, if that's the only place you spend your time, people that like you and you like them, and it's your own little world and that kind of thing, and you never step out of that box, you will never experience who you really are. one day I had a person say to me when I overreacted to somebody that was doing something to me and I overreacted and they asked that somebody asked me this question said you know why did why did you react Why, why, why were you so ugly to that person and I had to step back and think why did I react like that because I wasn't tapped in I wasn't honed in I wasn't channeled or programmed into the love of God when I responded that way because the love of God never does that it doesn't mean that the love of God's not in me but I didn't give I didn't give I didn't yield to the love of God before I responded to what was being done to me and and I can remember that day as a number of years ago when that happened and it really challenged me to really be aware. I'm not saying I've done it perfectly, but, I've, but about being aware of how I respond in every situation. Because God's wanting to do something. I shared with you last week that, that people that you come across that are unkind and unlovely and, and, and have ugly responses. And if you get a report from someone that, you know, you've got to watch out for that person because they do this. To me, I'm always looking for those kind of people. I want those people. See, you know why? Because those people are the way they are because they've had things built up. They have walls in their life, and they have things built up against what somebody has done to them. Most of the time, a person that's like that was hurt years previous by somebody in some form. They were abused or something happened to them. So they have these walls up. So they're keeping people away by being ugly and responding in an ugly way. What they get most of the time when they're ugly to somebody is ugly back. But see, love doesn't do ugly back. Love's always kind. So see, when ugly comes at you and you respond with kind, sometimes it's, it's almost like, you, you, and I've seen, this, I've seen this visually in their face, it's like been, they were hit by you. They're going, why did they respond like that? I was telling you I was somewhere not too long ago. Anybody, did I tell the story about right, Becky? I did about the lady at the counter and swiping the card. Yep. Everybody knows that story. Well, hey, I'll tell it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at the counter, and I, I've got I've got my debit card, and I, and, I'm in a, in a, in a, and she said, uh, "You can go ahead and swipe." And, it, and the chip thing was at the bottom, and it didn't, You know, sometimes they'll have those things stuck in there. That says swipe, you know. And and I said, do you want me to use the chip? She goes, I said swipe. <laughs> uh, she did. She did. But you know how sometimes somebody will say, you can swipe your card. No, use the chip. I, I can't tell you how many times, and that's why I said that because most of the time when they say that, they mean put it put it in the chip little thing, the chip hole or whatever, whatever it is. And so, and I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. She looked at me like that. She's from another country. I think she's Russian or something. And so I swiped my card and we're waiting for it. And just, I mean, she was probably, I don't know, 65, 70 years old. And, and I, I'm just, so, so inside of me, you know, you, you get dazed by that, somebody acting like that. But but I'm I'm looking at her and I'm I'm thinking to myself, she's probably Russian, maybe she was in some, who knows what has happened in her life. She probably hates men, you know. She probably had bad relationships with men and those kind of things, and I'm I'm thinking that to myself. And so, I just said, uh, maybe your hair is really nice. She looks at me and and after I said that, I mean, we, we were waiting for a couple things, and she was fixing a card for me and the whole deal. And, and so after I said that, I mean, I just had her eaten out of my hand, you know. And by the time it was done, she was smiling and everything was fine. But I promise you, that lady, I was in another town. I'll probably never see her again, but she still remembers me. I didn't preach Jesus to her. I didn't ask her to get saved right there at the counter. You understand? I sowed a seed of love. And I promise you, she still remembers me. If I would have reacted to her, that would have just been another one. just reaffirming whatever it is inside of her that is not good or hurt or whatever she just reaffirms that either she's not good or she's this or she's mean or she's ugly or whatever she wouldn't remember me but i promise you that lady remembers me i can see her like and it was like maybe a month ago three weeks ago but i can still see her face and at different times i thank god that the seed of that word will not return void but it will accomplish great things in her life and laborers of love are going to come across her path, and she will get born again. Amen. Amen? Listen, because when we sow seeds, if we believe the word, the word says that the word that we put forth will not return void, but accomplish what we set it out to accomplish. So I believe that. Before that lady leaves planet Earth, salvation will come to her life. What if that would have never happened? What if I would have not done that? Would she just get saved? No. No. Not necessarily. Maybe somebody else would come across her path. But I'm saying, if anything's going to get done in the earth, it's going to get done through me because I'm going to take every opportunity with every situation that I'm confronted with. Amen? That's what God called us to do. So Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 9, it's been our foundation passage uh, this month in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says in verse uh, 19, and I'm reading this out of the message, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. I'm going to read that again. Even though I'm free of the demands... And expectations of everyone. So just, just leave that up because I want to just go through it and kind of uh, address a couple of pieces here. Paul makes this comment in another place. He said, I consider it a very little thing that I'm judged by you because I'm judged by God. He said, I don't even judge myself by myself. I judge myself by God. This, you judge yourself by the Word. That's how you judge yourself by God, by His Word. And so Paul's saying here, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, in other words, your expectations will not control my responses. Your expectations or demands, and, and, or vice versa, you should say the same thing about life and people, The expectations and demands that other people put on you are not the motivating factor in why you do what you do, is what Paul's saying here. It can't be. I can't serve someone because they appear to need to be served. Serving, a lot of times, is misunderstood. People think that, you know, you're serving if you're a slave. That's not a, tr- a slave is not a true servant. A true servant serves out of choice. And even though Paul said these, all these things, these expectations and demands are removed, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Now, one of the things that we have to break down in our lives... And we've got to we have to think this through because you can hear me preach this, but then you've got to break this down to where it ministers to you. So, what what is it that we do that serves someone else? How are the different ways that we can serve somebody? And he said, I I've voluntarily become that servant to all people, so that. That I can affect a wide range of people. It's not just people that like what I like, or that do what I do. It's other people. So, I'll just give you a couple of examples of things like that in my world. Um, there are things that that I do to help other people. We're busy at Gates of the City, fulfilling the purpose and the plan and the call of God. But if all I'm about is, is Gates of the City, I'm not serving anything or anybody. So, as an individual, okay, I'm pastor of Gates of the City, but as an individual, I'm a part of, uh, of a network out of Virginia Beach called Wave Network. And the head of that network, he, Pastor Steve Kelly, he was here in March. Most of you were here when he preached here in March. Um, he has an organization and, and the name of it is Wave Collective now. It used to be Wave Network, it's called Wave Collective. And there's probably a 110 or 15 churches that are associated with this around the world. And he has he he has a desire for people to be connected to the, this network or this collective so that people become stronger themselves. He, you know, the, the, This network could be a network of over a thousand churches if it was about building a big network. And the reason that I'm connected to it is because I believe in it. And his desire, and it was already my desire, but now it's my desire even for the network, is to see other churches grow and become what they were created to do. So I serve that network, and at times when I may not have the time to do it I still do it I serve the network because it's something that's bigger than I am and when I serve and I help the vision of someone else it helps me to fulfill the vision in my heart and it helps the vision of gates of the city to be fulfilled can you can you see what I'm saying now this is just a basic illustration of one form of serving but it works um, I I grew up in a home this is just another example but I grew up in a home where there was not Christianity taught we were not born again people in my home when I grew up I got saved when I, two months before I turned 18 messed up my whole graduation night and uh, but um, in, in, in the, the world of growing up um, we were all taught to be about ourselves, to think about ourselves, and so, so as I grew grew older, I became very um, rebellious toward my parents. Um, I did, I, I was, I was not a, I did not serve and honor my parents and, and treat them in an honoring way. And uh, at eighteen years old, I was privileged to meet my wife at college. And two years later, we were married, and she came from a home where her parents, were, they, they taught Christianity and they loved God. She had an honoring like I've never seen honoring in all my, all my life. I've never seen anybody honor her, her parents the way that she did. And it was almost strange to me because I was never taught that. I was never taught how to honor and how to serve. But through the years, through her living example, and I'm thankful for the example that I had from her in the way that she honors, I learned to honor my parents. And I learned to honor my, my birth mother and my stepmother and my father. And to this day, it doesn't matter whether I have the time or whatever to, to do anything for them. If my father, both of my, both of my mothers are passed on in the last two and a half, three years, but uh, anything, and, and when they were alive, especially in the last 15 or 20 years that, that, that they were alive in our relationships, I honored them by serving them, by doing things for them. I thought of them. Uh, even if they didn't do everything that I would have expected parents to do and to be as I was growing up, I got rid of all that because I, be, I forgave them and realized that they weren't as bad as I thought. And when I realized that, it was easy to serve, but it took faith to serve and to do it anyway, even, even go beyond what your natural mind had, and it liberated me. And so I've been a living example of how to serve your parents and honor your parents all through their life. And, it's, and, and I want to do it, and I owe that totally, 100%, to the example of my wife. Um, Jesus showed me, You say, well, you got that from God, yeah, through my wife. Because I didn't see any other examples of people honoring, not, not like there wasn't, I just wasn't looking, but I saw it in my wife, And I'm very grateful and thankful for that because when you honor your father and your mother, things will go well with you and you'll live long on the earth. See, that takes a servant's heart, learning to serve at whatever level. Remember, we're talking about a wide range of people. You know who we're talking about? Everybody and the and and the more you serve everybody the more you find out things about you that need to change but then you can change because you want to change you don't want to be that kind of person i want to i want things to be well in my life and i and no i'm gonna say it this way because i serve my parents and i honor my parents and you know what you can I, I can tell you years when i didn't honor my parents but i repented for that and that's like it never happened now because i honor my parents I live long on the earth and things go well for me because I've learned to honor and to serve my parents. Can you say amen to that? Just two different ways. All kinds of ways. In 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 your in your job, on your business, you know, doing things for people that that in the natural You wouldn't necessarily do or that wouldn't be required of you going above and beyond for people in ways that are creative that God will give you not just copying what someone else did or does you know like I told you the example about the the lady uh uh, saying what she said and and what my response were I, I was serving her I was honoring her position She was the one in authority over what we were doing. She told me what to do, and I questioned what she said. She told me to swipe, right? I'm questioning her chip. I said swipe. Well, if she wouldn't have said it like that, then I wouldn't have responded. No, no, no. See, you're not taking responsibility. It doesn't matter how she says. You don't know where she's living. You don't know what she's going through in life swipe the dang thing Hmm? and talk to her about how pretty her hair is or whatever right what what, what's that going to hurt all of it all of a sudden it shuts everything down in you it it causes the walls to become down in her life and all of a sudden you have this opportunity to sow a seed of love That if you never see the person, let's just say that that person was here in in my town and, and I could have the opportunity to see her every day. That one seed would start something that would produce salvation and I might be the one picking the fruit. Right? I might be that one. And so we take those opportunities every day because there's a wide range of people that we're called to touch. Well, I can't, you know... I'm not, that's an older person and I'm real young and I can't relate. No, okay, maybe you don't relate in natural things, but you have the relator on the inside of you, which is the Holy Ghost, and you can relate with anybody. Paul said, that's what he's saying. There's a wide range of people. Watch what he talks about. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists. Now, those are the guys that I kind of like to stay away from. I like the next group. I like the loose-living immoralists because they're so open uh, to just be able to love them. So, you know, God makes me be around those meticulous moralists, you know, also. Um, The defeated, the demoralized, who? Whoever. Everybody say everybody. Everybody. We're talking about everybody across the board. I don't care where it is. You you may be traveling somewhere, and it's somebody you come in contact with. Always remember, if you respond right to an unlovely situation, you're sowing a seed that will not return void and accomplish great things in their life, and you can walk away from that feeling so good. When you respond and you act ugly, man, it's like it puts this thing on you. You walk away from them feeling like your clothes are dirty, your face is dirty, you know. You got something stuck to the side of your face. You feel like you can't get it off. It's just like, and then you're mad at the next person and you're angry at this person and all those kind of things. It stops the flow of bad and ugly in so many different ways. Because your life touches so many different people you have no idea. Amen. Look at the next verse. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Now let's look at this for a second. Notice he said, I didn't take on their way of life, I kept my bearings in Christ. Now, a lot of times what happens is we find ourselves, now hear me when I say this. Um, At a young age, I came out of bars and nightclubs, uh, disco clubs in the day, and uh, I got born again and a lot of times we think well we're born again we can go right back in there and change all those people and that's why a lot of times we've got to allow our faith to be where it's at with the people around us and allow it to be developed so we become developed so maybe there is a day you can you can get around the the, the same old world and crowd that you're around and they notice what Paul said I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. I didn't didn't become like them. My life changed them. Jesus went in and connected with the most despicable people on planet earth. And none of them changed him. He changed them. I said this last week. You don't have to be like people, but you have to like them. You don't have to be like people, but you have to like them. You don't have to like what they do, but you have to like them. Because if they feel like you're judging them and you're against them because they're weird or they're different than you are and they have different ideas and and different things, they'll shut you off in a heartbeat. Paul's saying here, I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view, I've, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Next verse. <clears throat> I did all this because of the message. And this last little piece I really like. I didn't just want to talk about it, and today we're talking about it, but Paul said, I wanted to be in on it. And the vision for the rest of my personal life, my vision, is those last few words. My vision is to be in on it. That's my vision, just be in on it. Being Christ to the world. Allowing the love of God to be demonstrated in the lives of people so that people's lives can be liberated and free. There's not a human being on planet earth that was not created in the image of God and does not have a destiny that was planned for them, before the foundation of the world. And that destiny was planned by God for them to fulfill and, and to meet all of And see all the desires and the expectations in their heart fulfilled. And the devil and his demons have worked overtime to keep people from fulfilling those plans and purposes in life. And you and I are here to help stop it. Jesus was a bridge between God and man. And that bridge connected God and man back together. Today, you and I are that bridge between God and man. We are Jesus to the world. Christ in me is the hope of the world. But the hope of the world is me being like Christ and not being like what I think I should be. Jesus was all things to all people. Paul was all things to all people. And all of this was done for the sake of the message. The word. It was all done for the sake of the word. Everything. And because it was all done for the Word's sake, that's why we do it today. That's why we enter into this place of connecting with people that were created in the image of God because the Word said so. It's not trying to relate to people. It's just relating. And I'll just tell you this. Most people today don't need to be preached to. Most people today don't need Scripture and verse the first time you meet them. Most people. I'm talking about 98% of the people you come in contact with that are not born again. They don't need Scripture and verse the first minute. They don't understand your, your Christian ease and your Christian confessions and your Scripture and verse. They don't understand that. In fact, it turns so many people away. First and foremost, you have to love them. First and foremost, you have to do as the Apostle Paul said here. You have to let them into your world. Because I'll tell you this. If they come to a place where they really love you, and through different sets of circumstances and, 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 and understanding, they find out that the reason there's things that are good in you because of the God that you serve, then they'll love your God. But if they are forced on them, if it's forced in any way, shape, or form, they'll reject. They want no part of it. And every time they're rejected, <clears throat> their destiny gets pushed back farther and farther and farther. That's why we got to be right. And i just tell you right now, I've got people, and I've encouraged you last week, I encouraged you to have a list of people that you're writing down that are, for me, it's like a top ten list that I've had forever of people that I'm ministering to in all walks of life. Remember, it's a wide range of people, right? And that wide range of people needs God from me, and they're, and, and they're all different types of personalities. Some of them wealthy, some of them have nothing, some of them this, that, whatever. Some of them like sports, some of them don't like sports. Some of them like cooking. You know, and so whatever they like, I've got to understand some things about what they like because i got to enter into their world to understand things from their perspective. If I don't, it won't work. I just try to pull them into my world, and you need to like what I like, and you know. I mean, come on, how selfish is that? There's no serving in that. God created us to be servant to all people, to all people. And listen, there's all different new ways of learning how to serve. That's what Paul is saying right there, man. He said if I've worn it, if I've worn out serving in this way, then I'm going to sh- stir up some other way to serve this person, and I, I'm going to work on it and stay with it till I get it, till we can penetrate their lives and see their lives set free and delivered. Because they don't need religion. Religion is man's idea of what they think God is. They don't need religion, they need God. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I need God every day of my life more today than ever before. I need God. Amen. Um, Matthew 9. <coughs> And I I read this last week, but I wanted to make a point again about this. I like this verse. This was Jesus. Remember Matthew 9 and verse 35. I tell you what's really helped me to understand people is reading the Gospels because those are the accounts from four different men of the life and the ministry of Jesus. It's a very small portion of his whole 33 years of life and a very small portion of his three years of ministry, but it's what we have. And I read that, the more I read it, the more I understand him and I see him in the middle of situations that he finds himself, that he found himself in. And it's the same type of situations we find ourselves in. We just have to we have, to, we have to break it down to where it applies to us. And so this is, this is Jesus. And it says, And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, which is the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, now go, go back to that. So what do you think Jesus preached? This is after his earthly ministry started. What do you think Jesus preached? You know, he, he, he had lived in this whole area for 30-plus years, his min, earthly ministry starts, and so he knew the people, the culture, the, he knew who, how they fought, so he related to him. I mean, he, he just did this naturally because of what had been developed on the inside of him through the years, and so he went around teaching and preaching and ministering to them and giving them information. Listen to me. These ungodly people liked what he said. They followed him everywhere. The Pharisees and Sadducees were intimidated by him because they were threatened that he was going to take people out of their little sects and their their little groups and and stuff, and and so they were threatened by him. But the people in the world and all the children, man, I mean, he must have taught with visuals and images and those kind of things because all the children just absolutely loved him. They They flocked to him. And all the ungodly people came from everywhere. And, and everything he told them to do, they, they went and did it. So, man, he was talking their language, right? And it says, um, he went about all their villages teaching and, and giving them the good news of the kingdom, that they don't have to be in bondage anymore in so many ways, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered Like sheep having no shepherd. And I said this to you last week, that people out there need to be shepherded. They they need somebody in their life to make them feel like everything is going to be okay. And you know how you do that? You do that by not telling them that. You do that by, like the song that we sang today, by being a child of God, not letting fear rule your life. When they're in fear, they see you're not, and they're comforted by your lack of fear. Things attack their bodies, And they're moved and you're not, you're in prayer, you're in agreement, you do whatever you do. That makes them believe that everything is going to be okay because of your faith. See, and time and time again, Jesus looked at people and said, because of their faith, the guy on the stretcher coming down, four guys leaning him down. Jesus is looking at the four men's faith, the faith of the guy that let them take him through the roof. Their faith made that guy whole. See, there was a security in the faith of the four that caused the one to let them do what they did and the man was healed because he rose up and received his healing. See, people need to be comforted. But the way that they're comforted is that they have somebody that is there helping to oversee them. People need to be here and they need to be under the covering and they need to be under the teaching of the word of God. But they'll never be that way if they don't have somebody in their life that is showing them and demonstrating to them the greatness of God. People are afraid of coming into places like this. I mean, we're not a f- fearful place. I think we're a pretty friendly place, and people are friendly that come here. And You know, how many think we're friendly, right? But, but it's, it's the intimidation of coming. So that's why you've got to have somebody out there that's touching their lives. So it's not, listen, the, the Great Commission is not a, It was not the great invite. Right? It was not the great invite, it was the great go. So when we go, we bring people with us. It's not just the inviting thing. Yeah, you'll invite people to come, but that's not the motive. The motive is to get into people's lives and be real with them and love them and let them see the love in you and that love, which is God, if they love you, they'll love your God. I can't say that enough. If people love you and they love the things about you, they'll love your God because it's safe. I had a guy one time that uh, I may have told this Just act like I didn't. I may have I may have, uh, or I remember this when I first started going to this place I'd, I'd go through this drive-thru and I'd go through it two, three, four times a week and I'd go through this drive through to get something to drink and I saw this guy and, and when he first saw me he just had a real attitude man when I saw that I thought that's my guy, that's one of my guys so I put him on my list and you know six years later I led the guy to the Lord six years later that was two minutes in the drive through well maybe a minute and a half, three or four days a week for six years. And it took all that time, and one day, two, three, four years in, he asked me what I did. So what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm in public relations. You tell them you're a pastor, they get all funky. You know, Then they, they don't want to talk to you anymore or the, sometimes. But then he pressed me a little bit more, and I told him. And he said, why didn't you want to tell me you're a pastor? I said, well, I didn't want you to, to get the wrong idea or whatever. He says, yeah. He said, I could have at one time. But you know what he said to me? He, he made this sem- s- something like this. He said, yeah, but I knew there was something different about you. And I'm, I only saw him a minute and a half, three or four days a week. Never one time, in the, in, until that time, we talked a little bit longer, and then a couple years after that, I led him to the Lord. But it just takes time with people, you understand? Because they're, they're like sheep with no shepherd. Nobody's helping them, nobody's directing them. And, and you can have all your ducks in a row, and you can have all kinds of money, and you can have all these, but they're still sheep with no shepherds. God is calling us to the fields. They're ripe for harvest. But I tell you, the true laborers are few. The Bible said it, Jesus said that. The laborers are few, but the fields are ripe for harvest. People want God. I'm telling you, everybody wants God. The atheists, they want God. Amen? The Muslims want God. People want God. So that means people want us. Because we house God. We're the house of God. You and I are the house of God. People want God. Everybody wants God. They just don't know it. I mean, all the things that you see in the media today and all the things that you see in in people and attitudes and all that that's out there with people, all of that that you see out there, do not be drawn from that. Do not be intimidated by the the ugly things and the things that are being said and how bad certain people are and you know i mean and, and when someone talks bad about our president and you hear somebody say it you know what don't get don't get in a fight about it or you may agree with them but don't don't agree with them or whatever don't don't let ugly things being said about other people, and especially those in authority, affect the way you act and treat, and, and the situation. Because think of the opportunity that you have. Somebody says something ugly about President Trump. I mean, I can't tell you how many people said ugly things in my presence about President Obama, and I just sit there and smile. And then they say something else. And and right, you you know what I mean, right? And I just look at them. But yeah, yeah, but you know, and after a while, they just shut up. I'm not going to say anything bad. I may agree 100%, but I'm not allowing my mouth to get on somebody in a place of authority, especially the President of the United States, who's in that place because God allowed him to be. I don't care if he's Republican, Democrat, Independent, or Communist. God allowed him to be there. I'm going to honor him with my mouth. I'll do everything I can in the natural to make changes and things that need to be made, but not putting my mouth on I'm not, because the Bible says don't. The Bible says don't, and you honor what the Bible says, things will go well with you. But think of the opportunities we have every day to see changes made in other people's lives because of the way we respond and the way we treat people that are unlovely. It's an unlovely day with unlovely people with a people with a lovely God to let the aroma of loveliness demonstrate itself in the midst of unloveliness wow I said that pretty good (laughs) that was original with me that looks like pride right there right (laughs) but you know what I'm saying we can be lovely we don't have to be ugly it can be lovely.